All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today is going to be one of our Shooting the Bull podcasts. We're going to try to do more of these. As most everybody knows, we put up on our uh, social medias a couple of polls asking everybody's thoughts on what you guys wanted from the, the podcast from us and whether that be you know, how-tos or tips and tactics, hunting stories, things like that. And it's, and it sounds like a lot of people um, wanted quite a few different things, but some of the things they wanted was just just talking about some of the, like hunting stories, um, throwing in a little bit of tips and tactics in there as well. So we're going to start bringing that to you a little bit more often, um, at least try to do it once a week for you guys so that you uh, are not only entertained with the stories, but then also give you guys a little help on uh, certain things. Um, the great thing about us here at eHunter is we hunt several states across the United States, and so we can bring tips and tactics uh, and stories to you guys from those hunts and experiences. So with me uh, today, I have Seth. Seth, what's up, man? Oh, not much. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing really good. It's kind of late, though. It is getting late. We but... gotta we gotta stop recording these podcasts late at night. That's the best time. That's when we get the most candid Taren. We get his real feelings, dude. That's actually a really good <laughs> point. It, I get tired and I just start talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh! Well, I'm excited about this podcast. This is going to be a lot of fun. I hope that the people that listen really get a chance to enjoy these and um, helps kill a little bit of time in the off season of hunting, and then also kill some time while you're out hunting or doing whatever you do. I'm a runner, and so when I'm running, I always stick in a I stick my earpods in and listen to podcasts. So um, that's that's when I like to enjoy them. So hopefully everybody else gets to to do that as well. So before we get started, though. As always, we want to thank our sponsors, the people that make this whole thing possible. Uh, first and foremost is Vortex Optics. Uh, super stoked with Vortex and, and some of the stuff that I've been using lately. I just mounted up my uh, my Razer uh, rifle scope. It's the Razer Gen 2. Uh, it's already set up for the MOA and all that. I mean, it's it's pretty a pretty amazing scope. If anybody, if you haven't looked through one of those Razer rifle scopes, dude, they're amazing. Seth, have you ever have you ever used one? I've not used a razor, no. Um, I've got my eye on the either the Strike Eagle, I think is what they call it, or the Diamondback Tactical for my next one. But nice. I've never actually looked through a razor. So. Dude, Mark says that uh, Mark Boardman at Vortex says that the Strike Eagle. He's like, that's it's a pretty impressive scope for the price point. I mean, the glass is amazing, but then it does everything else. You know, it's got the um, elevation turret on it. I mean, it pretty much does everything that you want it to do. Yeah, yeah, those two are are kind of catching my attention, so they'll probably be my next one. Well, my uh, kind of history with them, with the uh, Vortex scopes or the uh, Viper PST Gen twos, and uh, they're I mean they're amazing. They're they're <laughs> they're amazing scopes, but I gotta say nothing compares to that Razor. It, it is unreal. <laughs> it's definitely that upper echelon of of optics. Um, so anyways, we appreciate Vortex. They sponsor and everything that we do at eHunter. We have a, a great relationship with them and uh, appreciate everything that they do. Check them out, vortexoptics.com. Uh, Tell them that eHunter sent you over there. Um, appreciate that. And then also, I uh, want to send a shout-out to PhoneScope for sponsoring the podcast for us again. Um, PhoneScope is is kind of down in uh, – is well, it's the – the brainchild of a, a hometown close to mine down in southern Utah and know the guys over there really well. Those guys are, are, are awesome. Um, really good hometown guys 
and uh, create some pretty amazing products. And just this week, um, I ordered a a new phone scope. I, so I got the iPhone 12 Pro Max. That's a mouthful. Um, got the new the new uh, phone scope case for it with the adapter and is pretty legit. So um, I'm playing golf this weekend, but next week I'm going to put it to good use. So, anyways, appreciate them and uh, and sponsoring us here. Check them out, phonescope.com. Um, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us. I can answer pretty much every question you have about Phonescope. I've been using them for years. Uh, absolutely love their products. Um, so we really appreciate them. So tonight on the podcast today, whenever you guys are listening to this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about um, elk hunting. Share some stories with you guys, some tips and tactics, uh, hopefully, along the way. And so, um, Seth, I'm going to kind of turn it over to you and kick it off. What are you What are you thinking? What kind of elk story should we talk about tonight? Well, um, I know, like I say, you're you're definitely more of an elk hunter than I am. I have a few stories. Um, I've been on a lot of like helper hunts, but actually hunting, I've only been on a couple. Um, but helper I have a few hunts. in mind. What's a yeah, helper you know, help, hunt? Helping people out. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not the hunter, but I've helped people. Oh, you're um, guiding, unofficial guiding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's mostly family, so it's just helping family, but yeah. Nice. So it's, uh, yeah, it'll be a good time. I'd say you've, you've probably had a, a more luxurious elk hunting career than I have. But <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know that I'd put it that way. I mean, I haven't had those amazing tags like some people have, those limited entry tags and uh, Utah or even like those uh, high point tags here in Colorado, man. Gosh, I'd love to have one of those. I never will, but it'd be awesome to have one. The old point creep man <laughs> it's crazy with elk hunting yeah, i mean it's just everywhere you go it's that point creep is is ridiculous and you know what's funny wow marty gonna take us on a tangent is um so curtis drew out for uh, new mexico this year and I'm, I'm kind of like leaning towards the way that new mexico does it which is just a an all-out lottery draw you know you don't build points it's just it's just luck of the draw kind of a thing and i i'm almost liking that better than this whole point creep situation we got going on yeah, it's it's a tricky it's a tricky deal because you know you're going in and every year it's basically you know the lottery. But if if you get lucky enough to draw a tag, you're you're not worried about you know never drawing it because of point creep. You you always have that small chance, um, and it's equal across the board. So it's kind of pick your poison. You know, it's it's wait a lot of years and deal with point creep or you may go your whole life and never draw that New Mexico tag, but everybody's got an exact fair shake at it. Exactly. Exactly. It's fair for everybody. So what kind of elk hunts have you been on? I, well, so yeah, tell us, tell us about some of the elk hunts you've been on, whether you're helping or actually, you know, let's start with the elk hunt that when you're the hunter, tell us, tell us that story. Okay. okay. So I will take you back to 2000. Three. <laughs> um, when I'm, in 2003, I was 14 years old or 15, one of the two. Um, Utah opened a section of land that had been there hadn't really been an elk hunt, and it kind of bordered a couple um, limited entry elk units. And they opened this up for open bull. Um, and they also added a youth elk hunt on the unit. 
Um, me being a youth, thought it was a pretty good idea to, to draw or apply. And if you got lucky enough, the youth hunters got the first crack uh, and were able to hunt these bulls during the rut with a rifle. The general season permits that were going to happen later as an open bull permit, uh, they had to hunt them in you know middle of October. So anyways, we applied and I ended up drawn. So going into the hunt, we basically had the mindset of anything with antlers was going to get shot. <laughs> new area, you know, new hunt. We didn't really know what to expect. Um, so my dad started talking to a number of different guys that he knew had spent some time in the area and they pointed us kind of in the direction of a, a certain mountain range um, and told us that's where the elk were and that's where we needed to be. So opening morning comes and this particular mountain range, there's roads all around it, but the actual mountain itself, there was only one way to, to get there and that was hoofing it. So we started in the dark, um, got up on top, and we're seeing was seeing some elk sign, but hadn't seen any elk yet. Um, got to be about I don't know seven thirty in the morning, and just getting ready to drop into a canyon. And as we started to drop in, um, we heard three shots from the bottom of the canyon. And we're like, yeah. my dad's like, oh, it sounds like someone's found a bull. And man, I was super pissed. <laughs> <laughs> young kid i'm like man we walked all this way somebody in the bottom of the freaking canyon from the road shot an elk and we got on we got on the ridge and looked down and sure enough um clear down in the bottom of the canyon right right off side the road uh, a young girl had shot a a four by five raghorn bull mm-hmm. um and i was man i was so pissed i, was like, <laughs> I just remember thinking this sucks i want to go home um and so my dad like, that's all right, we'll find another one. And so we stayed up there till about 10 or 11. It was hot, it's middle of September in mostly desert country. Um, and we're like, well, this ain't working out. So we dropped off, headed back to the truck. And just as we were getting to the truck, uh, there was some cowboys offloading some cattle and, and getting ready to move some cattle with their horses. And... The one, the one cowboy just kept looking at us, weird look on his face. And he finally says, what are, what are you guys hunting? And my dad's like, oh, they started a new elk hunt out here, uh, and it's a youth hunt. We're just trying to find him a bull. And the cowboy looks around. He's like, you're hunting elk over here? And we're like, yeah. And he goes, no, 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 no. You see that mountain way over there that's got the stripes in it that looks like a piece of cake? He goes, go over there. There's elk over there. And we were like, yeah, whatever. We've talked to a whole bunch of people. This guy's just trying to get us out of the way of his cows. So anyways, for the next three days, we covered a ton of country and we saw two cow elk the whole time oh, for the next three so days. so frustrating. And so I was getting really, really sick and tired of elk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so finally one evening, uh, the fourth or fifth evening of the hunt, um, my old man goes, well, well, we'll drive over by the Cake Mountain. That's just what we started calling it. Uh, we'll drive over by Cake Mountain and glass this big ridge and, and see what's going on. And we're like, all right. So 
we get over there and we took quite a bit of time covering this new country and it was a lot further than where we were staying um and got there just as the sun had went down still light but the sun had went down and uh my dad pulls up to a stop uh, spot and stops and starts glassing and just kind of at the same time we both threw our glasses out up and out of this wash come a herd about 15 cows and this one bull and i immediately sorry pg stream i said holy bleep that thing is freaking huge because we were not (laughs) expecting to see big big bulls on this hunt at all and he come out onto the the flat part of this big meadow and then they were headed up into what was we called cake mountain and his cows were moving pretty good but this bull had definitely had something happen to him recently because he could not move nearly as quick as the cows Mm -hmm. so we were under the impression that he had hurt himself or been shot or wounded we weren't sure he he trotted no matter how fast the cows were running he, he couldn't get past the trot um and he was still on the on the move and my it's getting dark and he was out there i don't know six seven hundred yards which nowadays guys would have just shot him right but me as a 14 year old <laughs> <laughs> definitely not a shot i'm gonna take um and i remember my dad just saying he's got lots of masts and he has a good well tail on the one side doesn't have very good tines and I you know my dad just doing the guide thing reading off what he saw mm-hmm. um, and he went up into the cedars of this big cake mountain and lost him in the as it got dark and so my plan was I already had my plans made I didn't care what dad said my plans was next morning we were gonna be sitting right up against the edge of that mountain so that when he came out to feed we were gonna shoot him and my old man tells me no <laughs> You've missed five days of school. <laughs> you will be going to school tomorrow. Oh. And after school, I will pick you up at 2.30 and we will hunt the evening. <laughs> oh, my God. You want to talk about one pissed off teenager? Oh, I was going to say, I would be so pissed all day at school. <laughs> they got they got nothing done because I, I didn't care about what was being discussed. I was oh, like, there's no. a big bull out in the desert that needs to be killed. Priorities. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about because nothing got done. So anyways... <laughs> Right off the bat, 2.30 comes. I'm out front. He's waiting. We jump in the truck, and he's got the four-wheeler hooked up the trailer, and we take off. Um, and we had a plan, same thing. He had similar plans to me. We were going to go on these rolling hills right at the base of Cake Mountain and watch him come out and, and shoot him. And we also had called my uncle and told him what we had seen. And to meet him here, but this was before the days of dropping pins and everything else. So mm-hmm. it was best description. So we get there. Uncle's not there. I'm like, well, this ain't going to work. We're not going to wait for him. So me and my dad push up on this ridge. And we stop and sit down. My dad turns his radio on because they had discussed having radios if they needed to get a hold of us. And we sit underneath this big cedar for what seemed like ever. Mm-hmm. And no bull comes out. No bull comes out. I'm like, this this is BS. We should have been here in the morning. So I'm just getting more mad the whole time. I'm like, he freaking made me not be here and kill this elk, blah, blah, blah. You know, all this stuff's running through my head. I'm just mad. I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> and anyways, all of a sudden, we get a call on the radio. And it's about that same time of night that we saw him. 
it's getting almost dark. And my uncle all of a sudden comes on the radio and says, where in the hell are you guys at? This bull is out here in the flat. Oh my we need God. to go kill him right now. <laughs> and we're like, oh. So <laughs> it's on. we sprint <laughs> all the way back to the four-wheeler, go running down there. And just as we get to the four-wheeler, my uncle comes flying up on the hill on his four-wheeler. And he goes, I don't know how you're going to kill them because they're right out in the freaking open. There's no way to get on them. And my dad goes, well, that bull can't run very fast. He's like, I think you just go straight at him. Go straight at him with the four-wheeler on that rough old just two-track trail and see what he does. He says, the cows, and my dad's like, the cows are probably going to run, but we know he couldn't really run. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, and it was kind of unsportsmanlike, but he's big and I want to shoot him. (laughs) (laughs) And you're 14. Yeah. So I hopped on the back of my my uncle's four-wheeler and he's like, don't load the gun, but get it off your shoulder so that when we get off, it's easierly easy access. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So I, I get it on there and this two track was not a road for going fast, but he's flying. And so I'm, I'm trying to hold on. I'm trying to hold on to the gun and we're just ripping out through this flat. And we get to about 450 yards and the cows look at us and they just take off going out across the flat a hundred miles an hour. And it was almost comical and I kind of felt bad for him, but the bull looks at us, looks at his cows looks at us and you can just see his whole body just like take a deep breath like hell i'm gonna have to run (laughs) and so he starts going but his best effort his he just couldn't run and he was going probably about as fast as we were like he was kind of we were slowly gaining on him and so i don't know how far it was but my uncle just says he's about 350 can you shoot him from here and i'm like sure (laughs) I don't think if we're going to, we're going to run out of two track and it's going to have to happen. So my uncle slams on the brakes, slides the, the wheeler off the road. I jump down, lean across the front rack of the four wheeler and he's still on the move, you know, not running, but covering ground. And I remember the first shot I, when I, I put it on him, I knew when I pulled the trigger, it was wrong. I was like, you are not far enough out in front of this animal. I shot my uncle goes way behind him you got to get out in front of him. So I rack a second one. And I remember putting the crosshairs and kind of just moving the rifle just like a, a shotgun when you're shooting a duck. Put it right on his brisket, in front of his brisket, and just followed through. And boom! And I didn't even, you know, the recoil kicked me off the gun, so I didn't see the hit. But as soon as I shot, I heard the, you know, big smack. And then it was over. Because he was still going, but there was no way I was hitting him again. Right. Buck feet. Buck fever got the hooks in me, something fierce. And so my uncle's like, you hit him, but I don't know how good you hit him. Shoot him again. And so I shot a third time. Neither one of us have any idea where the bullet went. Um, I put a fourth one in, and he, at that point he had come to a stop, and he was doing the stiff-legged wobblies. Uh-huh. And I just – I remember – I remember putting it on his shoulder, and it was just like a figure eight, man. The freaking crosshairs were all over the place. <laughs> and my uncle's like, hit him again. I shot, and he was like, uh, you were like 14 feet over his back. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so I'm like, I need to reload. So at that point, I'm out. So I'm ripping the bolt open, and I start jamming shells in. And then I just remember my uncle, who was a pretty buff dude, just backhanded me in the back of the chest, just slapping my back. He's down. 
freaking awesome. And I was like, winds knocked out of me. And I'm like, yeah, trying to catch my breath and all excited. And so then we drove, we drove over to him and, uh, my dad and my aunt, my cousin all ended up showing up and got to take a few pictures. And the best part is we shot him right out in the flat. So we just winched him on full, gutted him and winched him on full body. That's the way (laughs) to do it right there. the best kind of elk pack out. Yeah, just <laughs> winched him up full body onto the trailer, and uh, it was a good time. It uh, <sighs> ended up, he ended up going 321 after drying and stuff as mm-hmm. an open bull permit. First bull a kid's ever taken. He was a heck of a bull. Oh, that's a and, really nice bull. And I'm super thankful because I'm not like Taryn. I didn't get tied up in elk point creep for oh. 30 <laughs> I killed a 320 <laughs> and was like... That's good enough. Oh, that's oh. dude! If you could shoot a three twenty bull like that every few years, I I'd be super <laughs> happy with it. I know there's, and I'm, I shouldn't say I'm not a trophy hunter. I I, I, I am. I like to shoot big things as as much as anybody does. But if you could shoot a three twenty bull every few years, that that made me so happy. I, I'd be I I'd be okay with that. I could live with that to be honest with you. Yep. Yep. It was a. It was a heck of a good time, especially for a 14 or 15 year old kid to, oh, yeah. to be able to take a bowl like that, and and just a, a cool experience that that timed up perfect with a with a hunt that was opening that they knew some bigger class bulls had not been hunted, so mm-hmm. it was a pretty cool deal. Dude, how about that feeling when you're like you come up on your dead elk, like you know that's your elk, and you're like that is mine, like that guy is going home with me, like that that's an amazing yeah. feeling. Yeah, it was pretty wild, and, like, you're driving home in the dark, but we have, you know, we're just on an open flatbed four-wheeler trailer, and you have an 800-pound animal with a 5 by 6 rack <sighs> sticking up, like, ratcheted to the flatbed, and every dude on the freeway is <laughs> like, whoa, because you're in, you're in central Utah where everyone hunts, and they're mm-hmm. blowing the horn and giving you thumbs up, and, yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty cool deal. Dude, especially as that young of a kid. I mean, it, gosh, yeah. when I shoot an elk right now, I turn into a fourteen-year-old kid. Though I get so yeah. freaking excited, it's 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 stupid how excited yeah. I get. So I'm, but yeah, I'm the same way when I take when I take any critter that mm-hmm. I've been chasing. Man, I'm like, I get I get, nowadays I can kind of manage the buck fever for a minute, but if it doesn't, if stuff falls apart, I'm still just a mess. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm over there like I gotta give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> It's weird. Like I don't really get buck fever. Like, like when I'm in the in the zone, I'm in the zone. Right. Buck, buck fever doesn't really hit me until after the animal's dead. And yep. then once the animal's yep. dead, I'm like, then I start yep. sh- I, I start shaking. I'm like, oh, this is you know the adrenaline kicks in then, and all the yep. you know that epinephrine in my body is just running rampant. And yeah, it's it's yep. awesome. But yeah, once I'm in the if I'm in the moment where yeah, I'm pulling the trigger. I don't know. I I go into a different zone at that point. Yeah, and I'm usually that way. I'd say for the most part, um, as long as you know the worst case doesn't happen and it's you know you have to shoot three or four times and you miss, then yeah. three or four or five times it's just it's everything. It's the adrenaline. It's the frustration. That kind of it's almost not even buck fever. It's just, just falling apart. <laughs> yeah, falling apart. But yeah, the buck fever thing definitely comes once they're down. Like, no, uh, uh, we we won't get off on a tangent. I will save it for our bow hunting stories. But I do have one that that's a really good buck fever story. <laughs> oh man, it's yeah. I 
I don't know. I I love that feeling though. Once you have that animal down, you're like, yep, that guy is going home with me. Like, uh, I don't know. There there just isn't a, a better feeling. I I absolutely love it, especially on elk because elk are so big. You know, when you walk up there, and you're like, right. that's a big freaking animal. I mean, it's in your in your position. That's great because you're like, oh, I'm just gonna load. I'm gonna winch this thing in the back yeah. of the truck, and this is gonna be easy. <laughs> when you walk up there, and you're like, that's a big old animal. I gotta put that thing on my back. That, <laughs> that's well, that's I'm- daunting. And that was the funny part. We winched him up on there with the four-wheeler winch, and he was so heavy, he actually broke one of the bolts that held. So the the trailer had a a built-in swing down for the four-wheeler, so you could Uh flip it up, pin it, and then drop it. And when we dropped it to winch him up the ramp, he actually broke one of the bolts that held the ramp. (laughs) Wow. Dude, they're big. They are big. Yeah, I mean, I figure – I mean, he'd been basically – because that big open valley they were feeding in was basically just waist high yellow, almost like alfalfa. It was grass, but it was just just yellow grass for miles. And I think he'd just been eating basically hay for <laughs> the whole summer, and he had just packed on a ton of weight. He was a great big body bull, and we found one once the taxidermist uh, opened him up and. We we opened him up and, and broke him down for the meat and stuff. We found his front shoulder, his one front shoulder had a bunch of uh, like uh, oh like why can't I think of it like trauma like blood coagulated like and, and bruised and stuff. Yeah, but I didn't hit him in the shoulder. He was kind of quartering away, so I hit him. I hit him just in front of the back leg, and it went up through. Oh. Quartering into him and, and hit uh, the lung and the heart, and then stopped in his brisket. So I never even touched that one, his left shoulder. So we figure he fell off a cliff or got into a fight with a bull. And yeah. we're more inclined, more inclined. It was a fight. Cause when the tax room was, uh, we caped him up to the, you know, the head or whatever. And then the tax room was pulled his hide off. He had a bunch of puncture wounds yeah. on his face from fighting. So figure he got hurt. He won enough to take the cows, but he had hurt himself pretty bad on that shoulder. So, Dude, that bull I shot this last year was the same way. He had on his on his right shoulder had a stab mm-hmm. wound, and you, I mean it was pretty obvious that it, an antler had gone into his leg. Awesome. But yeah, it was it was nasty. Like it was disgusting. Yeah, that's why his one shoulder we basically got nothing off of it. It was mm-hmm. just all coagulated and messed up. So it's amazing how tough those things are to to go through that and still be able to be out there keeping their their harem together and doing their thing i mean that that's an amazing yeah it's a pretty pretty tough animals in general man the the will to survive is pretty amazing yeah yeah so hey can you post up some pictures of that bull on our uh, oh, yeah. social media let yeah. so that people when they listen to the podcast they can go and check it out yeah i'll post some pictures of it i'll uh i've got some in the field we didn't take many and that was long before cell phones and digital cameras yeah yeah so i'll take i'll take some pictures of the when he's on the ground and then I'll post some uh, taxidermy photos of him. So wait a second. You were 14 in 2003, uh, 14 or 15. Yeah. Golly, I'm, you're a baby. Holy cow. I'm, I'm not that, I'm not that young. I'm 32. Jeez. <laughs> it's just, we're, we're in 2021, man. Golly, <laughs> it just old. sounds like a so, <laughs> 2000. So I graduated in 04. That feels like yesterday, yeah. but I guess when you think about 04 to 21, boy, whew. 
Yeah. And then say I graduated in 06, so you're just a couple years older than me. So yeah, yeah I guess that's true. Because 15, and then you graduated 18, right? So I think it was 14 true. or 15. So man, crazy, <laughs> crazy, a lucky bugger. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it pays to be better than, or was it better to be lucky than good? Oh yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> it's it's much better to be lucky than but, good. Just ask Curtis that. But it is a tactic. If sometimes if you know he can't move good or you need to, sometimes run can get you where you need to go or going fast. Mm-hmm. Sometimes being quiet's the way, and sometimes busting butt to a position can work. <laughs> oh, I can't tell you how many times I've had to do that when you're just like, "Yep, time to move," and you got to move. You're running through that mountain to get to the next ridge or the next little area or to get in front of those animals to get you know i mean yep sometimes you got to move yep all right well cool well i'll tell um i've got geez i've got some fun stories some fun elk stories um i'm going to tell the story from this last year i think most people are pretty familiar with that story if anybody's been on our social media you'll you'll see the picture of the the elk on the llama. I think that's how everybody kind of knows that hunt is the, the the llama llama hunt. The llama elk, dude. It was llama elk. Llamas are the way to go, man. Like that was it was so awesome. Like not that they can pack a ton. They can pack eighty pounds a piece. So one llama can usually handle uh, a bull elk after it's uh, boned out, and right. even then you're kind of pushing it when you put the antlers on top of it. But um, Oh man, it was so fun. So, so I've hunted elk here in Colorado um, since I've become a resident here a couple times, and it's been it's 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 been okay. Uh, if anybody else has come to Colorado to hunt elk, you know most of the units that you can draw with zero points, or you buy it over the counter, you're not really expecting much. Um, so this this last year i've i've got some friends that um we started hunting together and we go to the total archery challenge together and things like that we decided to put in for this hunt and do it um in a way that we none of us have had ever done before uh, none of us had ever used llamas we we've used horses in the past all of us have used horses in the past but we never used llamas and so we uh we did first rifle for here in colorado and we got llamas and went to we we had to draw out this wasn't an over-the-counter unit that we went to so we did have to draw out for the unit and there were let's see one two there were five of us that uh that drew out for it Uh, we put in for a group and here in colorado you can put in for groups and basically y'all draw or or none of you draw anyways um had a blast. I mean, we hiked. We got out, got to our the trailhead. We we got the llamas all set up. And we hiked back into, back to back in the trail about five miles um, to where a spring was, and I mean we were like, all of our water came from the spring. We had to filter all the water that we we got. Um, we had to prepare all of our food and take it in. We ate a lot of bars. <laughs> we we definitely uh, we ate pretty good though. So what we did. Uh, this is a tip and tactic for anybody that's listening. Um, we took in a, a little propane stove, and then prior to going out, we ended up um, buying a bunch of like those Stouffer's lasagnas and um, uh, alf- you know, fettuccine alfredos and things like that. We cooked them all up, and then we um, put them into single serving and put them in um, vacuum seal bags. And then we all we had to take up to camp with us was that stove and then a pot. We filled the pot full of water from the 
the spring, heated it up on the stove, and just dropped those bags, those uh, vacuum sealed bags in there to, to warm up the lasagna or whatever we were eating that was already cooked. Um, dude, we ate like kings up there. It was so freaking good. So, um, so you've you've got the exact opposite way, the two opposite ways to hunt elk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like exactly. In five miles, and 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 we're cooking and getting your water out of a stream, and then you've got mine where we literally drove to the elk and put him on the trailer. <laughs> yeah, but you're 14, so I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt on that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, it was it was pretty intense, and that's the other thing about llamas. Again, they can only hold carry eighty pounds. So each one of us guys that were hiking in, we you know we had to pack in at least fifty pounds on each one of our backs that five miles in. So it and it was a it was a climb the entire five miles. So it was it it was rough getting up there. Uh, but once we were there, man, we had a pretty sweet camp set up. We had bought in a, a big tent and all stayed in the tent. We had a stove, a, we, a really lightweight stove that we packed in there. And so once we got there and got the water filtered and all that, we actually stayed pretty comfortable, slept on cots and, you know, we had those little lightweight backpacking cots. But, um, so opening morning, uh, we went onto a ridge and my buddy Lee, um, he actually shot his elk that day. He shot a beautiful six-point elk. Um, and, and for those that hunt these units in Colorado, these zero-point units in Colorado, very rarely do you get a nice six-point elk. So, But it was opening morning. Um, there were three of us that split off together. And, I mean, talking about running to hunt, we're, we're clear up on the top of this ridge, and we see these elk clear down in the very bottom. We call it Hell's Canyon because it was just, just a miserable area that nobody wanted to go down into. But that's where the elk was so guess where the idiots go to is right to there <laughs> but um i won't spend too much time on his but he he uh he made an awesome shot we got just above him made a about a 350 yard shot pounded him twice right in the right in the vitals and he probably went about oh 20 yards and then he died right next to a, a spring down there in the bottom it was just awesome i mean everything that you expected to, and hope it would be so we got his all taken care of that day. That was Saturday, and then on Sunday we uh, we went back out, to kind of that same area, and it snowed a lot Sunday morning. In fact, we didn't even go out Sunday morning. We just <laughs> this sounds horrible. We stayed in our tents, in our tent, and in our cots. We were it was so freaking cold and snowing like crazy till about gosh till about one o'clock, and then we're like, all right, we got to get out of here. So me and my buddy Chad, we we ended up going out and hiked clear to this furthest point just to more than anything just to get out of the tent and you know put some some miles on the boots well him and i kind of glassed there for a little while kind of down where lee had shot his a little bit further past that and then i was like i'm gonna start walking back kind of go a different way and he kind of went a different way as well and i found these tracks in the snow and i was like well it snowed just a few hours ago so these are pretty fresh i started following these tracks um and then chad was kind of doing the same thing following some other tracks pretty soon him and i came together and we're like man this is crazy like elk have been in here just barely and all of a sudden i mean just as soon as we said that we hear this this elk bugle and he's no joke i swear he was like two feet in front of me the way it sounded um right as soon as he bugles this herd of elk come across the the mount or the well we're on kind of this uh saddle this whole herd of elk come through and i could see this the the bull coming through the the trees and it's funny because I, and I don't know why I said this to Chad but I was like Chad is illegal <laughs> that, that was my first thought is the illegal bull because in Colorado you got to have a six inch brow tine or a 4.01 side 
<laughs> I don't know why that was the thing that I thought, but I said, Chad, is he legal? He's like, and he kind of like laughed at me. He's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, right there. Do you goes, have eyeballs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I was, and as soon as he said that, I went right into that mode that I was talking about a little bit ago. I just went into, I call it the killer instinct mode. I swear to every human being, we're, you know, we're animals, we're hunters at, at our core of who we are. And, I just kind of went in that killer instinct mode and um, he ran no more than, gosh, I, I wouldn't say more than 50, 60 yards in front of us. This is a rifle hunt. So I, I pulled up and smacked him uh, right in the vitals um, and he kept running. I was like, oh, freak, did I, you know, I'm in the moment, I was like, gosh, dang it, did I miss? And I looked at Chad and I said, did, did I miss him? And he's like, there's no way. And so we walk up there and it kind of, they kind of went off the saddle um, and as soon as we kind of got to where I shot him, you could hear just crashing. I was like, oh, yes. And we looked down the mountain, and, and there he is just – because he hit that snow, and he just slid. It was like a slip and slide down the mountain for him. You know when you shoot a, an animal in the heart, they kind of get that extra oomph and yeah. and go. And he got that, and, he, yeah, he slid down the mountain. But this was in the evening, obviously, and so we walk up there, and it's it's almost dark. We got a few pictures, but they're pretty crappy pictures. Like I'll post a few of them, um, but it was it was getting dark. We radioed to all the other guys in our group, the other four, uh, three guys in our group, and said, "Hey guys, you know, big bull down." And uh, they they came and they helped us get them all. Uh, we we quartered them up right there, hung them up in a tree so the bears wouldn't get them, and um, <laughs> hike back out, but. Dude, those those moments are gosh, they're they're pretty special when you get in those moments. Almost like a spiritual thing, and I don't mean to get all weird right here, but um, you know, you just have that brotherhood, that camaraderie. It, it's a pretty special time, and for anybody that has experienced it, I'm sure you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, for those that haven't, try to get that experience because it, it's pretty amazing to share it. But um, he was a five by six bull, a uh, really really pretty bull. Um, had been raking a lot. The The rut was a little bit later this past year here in Colorado, so he had been raking and rubbing a ton, and so he had um, a lot of the tree, the orange from the trees that were in that area, into his antlers, and so his antlers are a really cool, almost caramel color, and um, just a just a gorgeous, uh, gorgeous bull. And going back to you know, I, I would take that 320 bull all the time. I would shoot, I would shoot my bull every year if I knew that I could never get a 400 inch bull. If I had the choice, I could shoot a 400 inch bull or I could shoot my bull every single year. I would take my bull every single year because that that experience was so much fun. Yeah, and you you ended up filming some of that, huh? Right? I did, and so um, I, I put a video together. I just put it on my personal um, YouTube page. But um, coming up this Sunday, so for those of you guys that are listening, um, this coming Sunday, uh, we're, I'm going to put it up on our eHunter YouTube page. So go and check it out. Um, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube page, make sure you do and, and hit that bell so you know when we post new videos. But um, yeah, I'll post the video. It's it's actually pretty dang cool. You'll see the country that we're in. I mean, it is it is beautiful. Anytime you can hunt elk when it you know in the fall. When the colors are changing, leaves are falling, they're in the rut, they're bugling. I mean, it's just, you just cannot beat it. So, yeah, I'll post that video um, on Sunday. Okay. That'll be cool. <clears throat> Sorry, that'll be cool. Um, yeah, because I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've seen it. I, I guess I'm not a very good to, 
co-host. I don't. I yeah. don't know if I watched it all the way Jeez, through. What kind of friend are you? <laughs> uh, I know. Huh? <laughs> it's it's fun. Um, it really was a lot of fun. And if you never hunted with llamas, this it's kind of a fun video to watch just for the llamas. Llamas are the weirdest freaking animals. I mean, they have just such unique personalities, and and they're weirdos. I, I called one of them his name was alamosa i'm like dude you're just such a weirdo i call him weirdo the entire time because he just he'd get all weird if you try to touch him and (laughs) i mean uh, and they're they're kind of cool because they're kind of uh their own guard dogs too Mm -hmm. they're pretty they're pretty standoffish towards predators and stuff so they they're kind of attitude annies (laughs) well they're like a car alarm too for you if you're like so to have them in camp is so awesome so we we're sitting in camp oh gosh i can't remember what day it was is it after we shot our those two elk um we were having lunch there in camp and uh this porcupine starts walking um kind of on near our camp and those things no joke it's like a car alarm blah, 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 blah. like they make the weirdest noise <laughs> um but you know you know something's going on whether it's a porcupine whether it's a bear a mountain lion anything they're gonna let you know and they're gonna let the entire neighborhood know rich yeah <laughs> it's it's kind of awesome so yeah they're they're a cool thing to have in camp that's pretty dang cool even if they are weird oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was so much so much fun uh i i love el hunting i mean it's just there's nothing better I'll, I'll share another quick story uh for el hunting i know this is kind of getting long but um bow hunting elk uh, if you guys have never bow hunted elk that that's i think that's where the challenge really comes but also the it's a lot of fun i mean i could have killed my bull this last year with a bow easily i mean like i said 50 60 yards is what i shot him with a, a with my gun but uh, this has been several years ago we were hunting um elk in utah and with my uh, I, again with my bow and uh it was with my brother. We pulled up on this ridge, and we could see these elk moving down this this finger, this this draw, and um, we could see the elk that we wanted to get in there. And so, him and I just kind of we were in a in a side by side. Him and I kind of just bailed off, going back to that whole running thing. Seriously, him and I got on the other side of the ridge where they couldn't see us or hear us, and we we flew <laughs> down that mountain trying to get ahead of them. And uh, we did. We like they were just feeding, so they weren't moving very quick. And we figured if we could get on the other side where they couldn't see us, even if we made noise, they probably really wouldn't care too much. But I don't think they could right. hear us anyways. So we snuck down to the bottom and actually came up just a little bit on the the draw that they were coming down, and kind of hid behind some trees. And you could hear them coming. Like it was like there was probably thirty elk coming Freaking down. Heard heard elephants, man. Yeah, breaking like, everything. They are not <laughs> quiet at all <laughs> which was nice because you know it kind of covered our our sound and um so we're standing there and i i thought that we were going to get busted because there you can see him like you know when you're looking through a pine tree and you can kind of see the the animal through the pine tree you can't see the details of it but you can see it coming right and uh i was like oh man this first one is going to be a cow and we're it's going to see us it's going to spook the whole herd we're, we're screwed so i was like you know what maybe it's the bull and I, I mean, you know, I'm just hoping I was like, just maybe it's a, the bull. So I could see him coming. So I, I drew back my bow and the tree that he was coming around was, I'm not kidding you five yards in front of me. And I was like, I, it, it's either the bull, the bull, and this is over. I'm going to shoot him right here at five yards or it's the cow. It's going to scare everybody, every elk away. 
Um, and all of a sudden, here's as soon as he comes around the tree, there's his antlers. I'm like, holy freak, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm, I'm looking down my, you know, through my peep at my, uh, my pins and dude, I don't even know what pin I use, but at five yards, who gives a crap? You know, all of them are going to hit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, let the arrow fly, nailed that thing. He ran across the, you know, down to the bottom of that draw over to the other draw, kind of where we had come down, um, tumbled, crashed, fumbled, farted, died, right there he he didn't make it more than 150 yards from from where i shot him and oh man it was it was the coolest experience i mean five yards on a bull elk is is pretty intense but it was awesome so yeah that's what's that that's pretty oh i was gonna say that's pretty dang cool i i've got one i've got one story too with a having a bull right in our right in our lap as well um and i'll share with you here in a second if you're once you're finished up <laughs> oh I'm, no that's it i've that it was just so cool to yeah to shoot a bull that close or to shoot an elk any elk that close my brother shot a cow elk kind of a similar situation actually in that same exact area just on a different hillside but almost the exact same situation the, the cow elk walked around the corner shot it with a bow she actually um died in, I mean, she dropped right where she was at and and died right there that, that which was pretty cool you don't usually see that with a bow but easy easy track job there oh yeah yeah she didn't go (laughs) anywhere we both had tags in our pocket and i was really pissed because i wanted to shoot her but um (laughs) i couldn't complain when he shot her and she dropped in her tracks but uh that was a really cool story um and again kind of going back to that tips and tactics of sometimes you got to move and especially with elk like if you if you can see what they're doing and you know your play you got to make that move you can't sit there and wait because if you sit there and wait they're gone so, so tell me your story about getting close. Yeah, so kind of, kind of the same thing. I was, uh, it was when I was young. Um, <laughs> so, uh, years ago, my grandpa had a cabin in Clear Creek in Utah. Um, people that aren't familiar with Clear Creek, it's an old mining uh, area just above Schofield Reservoir. Um, and so we used to go there every year in the fall. Um, and so me and my cousin, who was a little bit older than me, got the bright idea. Neither of us could drive, but we got the bright idea that when we went to this cabin, we were going to take our camo and our hunting stuff, and we were going to go call in an elk. Mind you, I think I, I think this was the summer before I shot my bull. So I had no experience other than being with my dad on hunts of calling in anything. So my cousin was not much of an elk hunter, but he went and bought an elk call because he thought this was going to be so cool. And I... I went and stole one of my dad's Carlton fighting cow calls and we got up early. It's about five forty-five, six o'clock. Um, just starting to get light and we hoofed it up. So the, the cabins were kind of in this like tight knit community where they're all stacked pretty close to each other. Mm-hmm. And then off to the, the West of the, the cabins, this road went, if you stayed on this road, it actually went clear up on the top of the skyline drive eventually. Um, and so we didn't have the wheelers or nothing and we wanted to be sneaky. So we got in our camo and we stole some of my dad's scent killer. Cause scent killer used to be the bomb back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we doused ourselves in, in scent killer and we started hoofing it up this road and we got up that road probably, I don't know, five, 600 yards. And then, I had an area in mind from, from being up there, uh, 
for years there was a, a old beat up logging road that you couldn't even hardly take even a four-wheeler on anymore that branched off um and i was like let's go up in those pines find a spot and we'll just sit and see what happens and so we followed this logging road up there a couple hundred yards i don't know probably about the same distance that we went up that other road um and we were and i just saw this huge i don't know 30 or 40 foot pine tall pine uh more i don't know two of us sitting down around just this great big pine that had fallen over and i was like oh that's perfect man we'll sit right behind that log and we'll just call and see what happens and you know at first we're all excited we're like this is gonna work this is gonna work and so we sit down and we're we're being smart you know we're taking breaks we're calling a little bit just kind of you know mind our business well 20 or 25 minutes goes by and we're two young kids and kind of losing hope that it's going to happen so we kind of start screwing around and we're not even really calling normal anymore we're we're doing weird stuff we're doing short calls we're doing big long you know Mm -hmm. and just kind of dicking off (laughs) (laughs) and and just being dumb and you know we're all kind of being silly and my cousin had this old like uh camcorder but it was the one that put like the medium size tape in it it's not a vhs but it was kind of that weird medium size one and he took it with us because we were going to film it coming in and uh we're just kind of messing around and it's pretty thick you know because we're in these pines and across this canyon all of a sudden we just hear this crack i mean just loud limb break uh, we both look at each other <laughs> and my cousin's like Oh, dude, it's not an elk. I bet it's a bear. I bet we called in a freaking bear. So he starts freaking out that we're, we've called in the bear. And I'm like, no, shut up. I'm like, I don't know what it is. Just shut up. Just cow call normal and give it every, you know, couple minutes and we'll see what happens. And he's like, I've got my I've got my pistol on me just in case. By the way, it was a little browning buck mark 22. It wasn't going to do anything if it was a bear. And so I'm like, it's not a bear, dude. It's, it's probably just, I don't know. It's not a bear. And so we get real quiet and we're like tucked right up against this log because we didn't realize, yeah, how, how, if we were in a hunting situation, it would have been a very bad spot to sit because yeah. you couldn't move, move. So anyways, we're sitting there and it was probably about five to seven minutes after we heard this big, loud crack. Um, we're just kind of sitting there and I'm, I'm watching. So the, the hill dropped away. So we were kind of on a slant and, and we could probably see for about 50 or 60 yards. And then the hill dropped pretty abruptly. And I kept looking at this one. So there was one little quakey that was trying to grow in all these pines. And it was just, you know, as big around as, I don't know, smaller than your wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kept looking at it. And I you know every so often I'd come back to it kind of as my marker to, to look around. And one of these times I looked and I was like, that looks different. What am I looking at? And I kept staring at it, staring at it. And it seemed like forever, but it was probably only 15 or 20 seconds. And all of a sudden it dawned on me that I was looking at, at about 65 yards away, the, the top of his, so was this bull, I could see his antlers and the top of his head and just his eyes. I couldn't see his face. And I was oh like, my gosh. I'm like, I'm like, and he was not huge, but thinking back, he was, I think he was a five on one side and six on the other. So nothing, I don't even think he was as big as the bull I took. So he's probably like a 300, 290. 
And so I reach over because we've got this big log block and I reach over and grab my cousin by the sleeve and I'm like jerking on it. And he like turns his head real slow and looks at me and I'm like, my mouth, I don't even say anything. I'm like, by the quakey. <laughs> so he looks and and he sees it immediately because he looks and he's like slowly puts his hand down on the camera. And I'm like, dude, don't move. I'm like, he's right here. And so we we were so afraid that he was so close because he was only like 60 at that point. We laid down like because we were sitting down. So we just slowly like laid down behind the log and we were just like kind of using our abs to just see over the logs. Um, and so I start just slow, soft cow calling and he comes up onto the level so we can see him in his full glory. And his eyes are just bugged out of his mind. He hasn't bugled. He hasn't done anything. And this is peak September. But he is looking for love. You can just, he's got snot dripping and his eyes are bulging out of his head. And I cow call and he does like this little like half-hearted, like a guttural thing, not an actual bugle. Mm -hmm. And he just starts trotting. Like he's only 60 yards away and he starts trotting, coming right at us. (laughs) And my my cousin's like, he whispers, he's going to come over the log. I'm like, no, he's not. It's it's fine. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay, dude. Right, 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 right. And it's just like I'm just like you know not even saying anything, just put my finger to my mouth like shut up, don't don't talk. And I stop calling because now he's within like 30 yards, and I'm like I don't want him to actually run over us because my cousin is adamant he's gonna come over the log. And so I actually laid all the way down and turned so I was calling uphill, so it sounded like the cow was moving away from him. Mm Mm-hmm. And he, so I do it and he comes, I'm not kidding you. He came right to the log. He's on the other side of the log from us. Oh my <laughs> gosh. He's like, he's like, you can hear him like these big guttural raspy breaths uh-huh. and he's dripping, dripping snot and crap all over the, the log. And he, I mean, he's literally like if I had, I wouldn't have caught him because he's so fast. But if I could have just reached out and he wouldn't have moved, I probably would have touched him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he's just, and we're both, dude, we're just like, I don't know how he didn't know. Because we're both just like shaking like leaves, Pissing down dude, your legs. We're just, yeah, we're just young <laughs> kids. I'm like, dude, what do we do? And so he's right there. And my cousin, he's got the camera. And he's got his elbow bent. And he's just got the camera just above the log. And he's just panning like left and right. (laughs) Recording, trying to get footage of it. And it's been this, he's been doing this since the bowl came over the hill. So we have no idea if we're getting any footage. And we're both shaking. And he just looks at me and he goes, he just mouths. He's like, I'm going to jump up. And I'm like, don't jump up, dude. Don't do that. And like he's right here. I'm like, don't move. I'm like, he might kill us. I'm like, I don't know what he's gonna do. He is pissed. He wants his girlfriend. I'm like, don't yeah. move. And my cousin's like, he goes, you know, mouse. I can't see if I'm getting any film. And I'm like, who cares? Yeah, don't who do cares? nothing. I'm enjoying so, the experience. Don't yeah, do anything. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, don't do anything. So we sit there for, and it seemed like forever, but it's probably just you know, thirty or forty more seconds. Right. And, and my cousin's like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and so he he moves. And that bull, I mean, the brief look of, I mean, no other way to put it, the brief look of, oh, shit, on that bull's face when my <laughs> cousin moved. <laughs> and just everything blew up, dude. I mean, 
dirt, snot, because he even did it. Like when my cousin moved, he just went, <laughs> the bowl just blew snot and crap and kicked dirt all over us and just took off. Oh, and my gosh. I'm like, why did you move? He's like, dude, he was going to step on us. He was going to come over the log. I'm like, no, he wasn't. He was going to go around it. He's like, no, he was going to step on us. I'm like, no, he wasn't going to step on us, dude. And so we had this little brief argument. But the bowl took off. And so then we played it back. And all we got of all that panning is we got one pan. We've got a part of you can see the bowls, what I was talking about. You can see, like, his eyeballs up on uh-huh. the hill. Uh-huh. And then when and then when he jumped up, or so when he was panning, we got a few leg pictures because he didn't tip it up high enough. <laughs> and then or like video of the legs. And then when he jumped, you can just see the bulls like I think it was the bulls left side of his rack just ripping out of the frame because he was running out of there. And so not even a hunting story, but a bull that was within two or three yards of us probably. Um, Dude, that's the thing, and, though. With elk, though, like, even if you're not hunting them, I mean, yeah, just, well, I shouldn't even just say elk, everything. I mean, elk in the rut, uh, we've had this conversation on another Shooting the Bull podcast, what's the best big game animal to uh, to hunt? I love elk. But, dude, just, just going out, go, go out in September and go call elk. Even if you don't have a rifle or a bow in your hand, just, just go call elk and call them in and see how close you can get to them. Dude, that is exhilarating. Oh, it's, it's a, it's an adrenaline dump. I mean, I'm, I'm easily into that stuff anyways, excited about that stuff. I mean, I've had, I've had fawns and, and does, just does and fawns come right on top of me. I'm walking right past me and it's the first, it was actually one of the first times I ever heard deer vocalize and they were just, mm-hmm. they were talking to each other and they, they came within, I don't know how they, this was on a rifle hunt. I was in blaze orange. I just didn't oh, wow. move. And they, they came within like six yards and walked right past the tree I was leaning against. Wow, that's and, impressive. And I was shaking, dude, because I was just like, they're right here. You know, it's yeah. nothing, no bucks, but it was just exciting to have wildlife or, and animals that close, not knowing you're there and just doing their thing. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll need to make our next uh, Shooting the Bull podcast to be about it, does camel really work? <laughs> <laughs> or do you really need camo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a whole conversation right there. Cause... If a deer can do that when you're wearing bright orange, blaze orange, um... it's it's a movement thing, man. Like really I'm sure is. if I had moved, they would have keyed on me for sure. But you know, just being still and in a position, you know, it'd be different if I was rushing to get to a position or moving at all. But just where I was set and they just come by me, they had no idea. I'm Wind sure they... was right. Yeah. So. And I'll bet they still probably even smelled you or smelled something there, but right. probably you know, like you said, they didn't see that movement, so it wasn't too crazy. I don't know. I guess if they probably would have got a good whiff of you, if the wind would have been in the other direction, I'll bet they would have been really bad. And they gone, and they but... probably knew something was up. I mean, even just their six senses, because they weren't like it wasn't like they were sitting around and feeding. They were they were moving through there, and they they didn't slow down. It wasn't they weren't running either, but but it was. I'm sure they just didn't feel quite right. But yeah, they come right past me. That's amazing. So, <laughs> so but, oh, gosh, but yeah, it's That's... elk hunting's fun, man. It's it's uh, an adrenaline to have that big of something right in your lap. Just and you know, the only thing that would have made it better is if he'd have just ripped a bugle right, <laughs> right, right on top of it. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, I I do have a story that we did do that. We took my grandpa, who's I'll make this real really quick. Um, my grandpa, who's deaf, we took him out, and he's not com- he wasn't completely deaf at the time. He is now, um, but he hadn't heard an elk bugle in gosh twenty twenty five years. Um, me and my brother called in an elk. We're, we're sitting at this little trough, and we called in an elk. Um, and he came in right up to the trough. We're just sitting there, and he's like right in front of our face and ripped off a bugle right there in front of us. And my grandpa, again, who's at the time was, I mean, he was pretty much completely deaf, heard. I mean, because that's deafening. Well, the, the, yeah. When they bugle, I mean, that is unreal how loud they are. And uh, th- actually, he's the one that scared the elk away because as soon as he bugled, my grandpa goes, I heard that. <laughs> and that elk, <laughs> boom, took he's off. Like, See ya. So, yeah, he's like, nope, not standing around for that. <laughs> oh gosh well awesome man well that's that's the gosh i could i honestly could talk elk for hours and hours and hours so this is this has been a lot of fun i hope that everybody else has enjoyed these stories and maybe picked up a little bit from that if you guys have any questions about these let us know we'd be happy to answer any questions and if you guys have stories that you want to share with us um we would love to hear it but you know goodness gracious we could lay it down on some tape and record it and share it with everybody else as well so if you guys have stories you want to share with us let us know um I guess before we go, Seth, we ought to do something a little bit different. This is a little... i just been thinking about this while you were just barely talking. We ought to give something away for those people that have stuck with us to the end. What do you think about doing that? Yeah, uh, I think that's a good idea. How about this? So, for those of you guys that are still with us, <laughs> hopefully everybody's still with us, but you guys that stuck to the end, let's do this. So, I've got an eHunter hat and an Onyx Premium membership. Um, I will give it to we'll do a random draw so anybody that um let's see trying to think of what we want what i want you guys to do um let's do this so seth is gonna post the picture of his elk that he shot when he was 15 take a screenshot of that picture post it to your instagram story everybody that posts that post that to your instagram story i will uh, put you guys all in for the drawing um for the hat and the premium onyx membership um i'll do this what's today today is the 26th of april uh this will probably go out tomorrow so let's say till may may 11th um is when i will do that so sound good seth yeah yeah i'll get them pictures up tomorrow so they have uh, ample opportunity to do it cool make sure you guys when you guys post that to your story to tag us um, so that it, it sends us a message and uh, puts you in for the drawing on the on the hat and the Onyx membership. So, all right, guys, we'll let you go. Appreciate you sticking uh, sticking with us. Hope again, hope you enjoy these stories. Uh, we enjoy sharing with you, and we'll we'll continue to try and do this, share some of these stories, and try to share some uh, tips along the way. So uh, before we go, we we'll give another shout out to our, our sponsors for the podcast, Vortex Optics and um, PhoneScope. Appreciate them, and Seth, appreciate you being on with me again. Yeah, no problem. And guys, we'll probably be doing these pretty often. So next week or whatnot, we'll we'll discuss an, a different hunting story. So we're looking forward to it. Thanks, awesome. guys. Yep. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya. <laughs>